Well, good morning and welcome to Bridgewater. Uh, we are so glad that you are here this morning. And if I have not gotten a chance to meet you yet, my name is Tim. I'm one of the pastors. I really am excited about finishing this series. I know it's been really impactful to many of you. Many of you have told Jeff and I uh, how much you've appreciated this. And so we're excited about this. But let me ask you this question. Have any of you ever been caught in a bad storm? Anyone? Yes, so lots of us. All right, so maybe you can relate to this. You know, if you asked kids in my former youth group, they would say, actually, we have, and it was all Tim's fault. (laughs) And uh, every year, we would take a group of 60 to 70 students, high school students, up to Lake Ann Camp for our winter retreat. They called it Freeze Out. It was a three-day event going from Friday through Sunday. And so what we did this one particular weekend is we loaded up all these kids in a bus, a full-size school bus, and then we had a 15-passenger van that I was driving with a trailer attached to it, pulling all of the luggage, and we're making our way. We're about five minutes into this trip. We just kind of pulled onto the highway, and all of a sudden, out of the back of the bus comes black smoke. I don't know if you knew this or not, but that's not a good thing. And about a minute later, the bus pulls over and it is done. Like it's done, done. And so we start making phone calls. We get other leaders, other parents to come pick us up. We start shuttling kids back to the church. And while all that is taking place, I begin calling and texting other youth pastors, other churches. And eventually we we find this other 25 passenger bus. And so We find that, we take that, and now we have a 25-passenger bus, and now we have two 15-passenger vans, and a leader is driving their Jeep, and we have this huge caravan traveling up north through Michigan, and we arrive Friday night, a couple hours later than we expected, but there we are. And after we arrive, we learn that there is this ice storm that's coming Saturday night, And it's supposed to come Saturday night into Sunday morning. And we know that we're all tired. We don't even worry about it because it's Friday night. And as we know, the weather can change overnight. And so we just say, okay, let's just wait. Saturday morning rolls around. And I already have parents, worried, nervous, helicopter moms texting me, wanting to know, what's the plan with the storm? What are you going to do? And as I look at the weather and I talk to my leaders, I talk to other youth pastors, we realize, okay, the ice isn't really supposed to start until later that night. So we make a decision. We're going to cut the weekend short. After the last session on Saturday, we're going to load up and we're going to leave. Well, we really didn't plan for this, but the problem was the ice began much sooner than we anticipated. After that last session on Saturday night, we started walking back to our cabins and we realized that the whole camp had turned into an ice skating rink. I'm talking like get out your ice skates and just like slide to your cabin and get to the vehicle. And so we load up everybody and the bus and the vans and the Jeep and load up all their luggage and we make our way back home. And Lake Ann is a very small town. It's basically the camp, a gas station, and a post office. Like 200 people live there all year round. It's that small. And none of the roads were treated. It's taking us forever just to go a few miles. And we're making our way. We're driving as slow and as carefully as we can. And eventually we hit this hill and we've got the bus, 
the vans and the Jeep, and I'm pulling this trailer, and I'm making my way up this hill. And as I'm making my way up this hill, the van starts to do a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And the trailer begins to slide, and it does a little bit of this, and it begins to do a little bit of this. And eventually, I'm making my way up about halfway up the hill, and the the trailer starts sliding almost to catching up with the van, almost jackknifing. And we lose all traction, all momentum, and there we are, and we are stuck. In fact, if I take my foot off the brake, we are going to go backwards. The van almost made that noise. And there we are, right? I've gone from a bad situation to basically an emergency. I've gone to, to trying to do something really awesome for these teenagers to, hey, you might make it on the evening news today, Tim. And in fact, I was lucky that they didn't like throw me out of the van and say, okay, God, here's Jonah. Just take him. Do whatever you need to do. We were stuck. And I don't know if you've ever been in an ice storm or snowstorm or, or any kind of storm, maybe not even a physical storm, but sometimes it's really hard in the midst of one of those situations to, to get your bearings. Your heart is racing. You're filled with worries. All of the what ifs, all of the fears begin to flood your mind. Maybe you're in one of those storms right now. Maybe it has nothing to do with ice or weather, but it has everything to do with your kids and what's going on in their lives. Maybe you have a kid or grandson who has wandered off, or maybe it has everything to do with what's going on financially. You, You put all of your financial eggs in a basket, and then you realize there's a little hole in your basket. Or maybe there's a strain on a relationship, and that's brought fear and worry. You are in the midst of a storm. Or maybe you just got out of the storm. Or maybe you don't even know, but you're about to head into a storm. So my question is, when you are about to head into the storm, are you in that storm? How do you find refuge? Where do you go? Who do you go to for refuge? And that's what we're going to talk about today. So if you have your Bibles, go to Psalm chapter 46. Psalm 46. While you're turning there, it's actually in the middle of your Bible. While you're turning to Psalm 46, let me give you a little bit of the background. The Psalms were actually written as the worship songbook for Israel. And there's multiple authors of, of these Psalms. Moses written, wrote a couple of Psalms. David has written a bunch of Psalms. Uh, there's another group of individuals called the Sons of Korah. They wrote a bunch of Psalms and they, they wrote, they planned, they organized this all through the Holy Spirit leading them. And this became their worship book. That as they went to worship God, they would sing these psalms. In fact, uh, a lot of commentators believe that Psalm 46 has a specific background, and it's when the Assyrians invaded Israel, and then they surrounded Judah, and on paper, it looked like they were outnumbered. Uh, on paper, it looked like Judah had no chance at all. They were totally going to lose this battle. And all of a sudden, God moves, and he miraculously moves in and through Judah as the king of Judah is crying out, praying to God, God, please do something. They're surrounded, and God takes care of the enemy. And a lot of commentators believe that this... Be quiet, Siri. A lot of commentators believe that this psalm is reflecting back at that specific situation where God delivered them. So take a look at Psalm 46, verse 1. 
God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the most high dwells. That's an incredible psalm. But just imagine coming up to these mountains and seeing them begin to crumble and fall. They're in the midst of something chaotic, cataclysmic, and, and they're, it's dangerous, and they're feeling scared and worried and full of panic. In their minds, it feels like their entire life is crumbling, and it starts off with, look at who God is. God is our refuge. God is the one that we can turn to. It begins with a meditation on his character and his goodness and his power. And it uses this word refuge. It's this idea of a thick-walled city that if you are in trouble, if you're, if you're scared, you can run into this refuge that's surrounded by thick walls and find hope, security, and comfort. It's not God plus something else. It's God. God is their refuge. God is the one that they can run to when everything seems like it's going to fall apart and crumble. And so when you and I are faced with fear, worry, panic, where do you go to for refuge? When life seems really overwhelming and full of stress and pressure, where is it that you go to for refuge? Where do you go to turn that relief valve. I just need a little bit of escape. I just need a little bit of escape right now. I just need a little bit of pressure just released. Is it Netflix? Is it music? Is it a beer? Is it wine? Is it video games? Is it food? Ice cream? Peanut butter? Where do you go to turn that relief valve? God is their refuge. God is the one that they are running to because he is an incredible power, because he is a safe place to go that is full of protection. They recognize, you know what? When things are going sideways, when the van begins to slide this way and that way, when life seems like it's spinning out of control, when worry and fear flood in, we are running to God. He is our refuge. He's not just a place to be found. He's an ever-present help. He's our refuge, an ever-present help in time of trouble. We don't find that anywhere else. I mean, if you have an emergency at home, you're dialing 911, you're waiting for work, first responders who do an incredible job, but they, they need to receive that call. They need to prepare. They need to get, if they're firefighters, they're getting their, their suits on. They're getting their tanks ready. They're jumping into their trucks. They're sending the sirens and they're going to show up and they're going to get there quickly. They're going to do their job. That's not like God at all. God is already here. 
ever present. And our first responders do an incredible job. They respond with with great accuracy and they take care of those issues. But our God is not waiting for the call. He doesn't have to put his suit on. He doesn't have to jump in a vehicle. He's already here. He's our refuge that we can run to him and he's waiting for us. He's wanting you to come in and spend some time with him. That's why today, we've decided today is our our day of prayer. That today, you can actually spend some time after the service, if you haven't already, go back in our starting point room and just carve out a little bit of time to spend with him. He wants to hear from you. And there's a little prayer guide in there, some primers, things you can pray about, and you don't have to pray out loud if that's not your thing. You can just sit there and pray silently. But this is a way that we can go to him. But look at verse two. He says, therefore, therefore we will not fear, right? Because he is our refuge, because he is this place of protection. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall. I mean, imagine being in a scenario where you see the earth given away. Imagine being in a scenario where you see mountains starting to crumble. This week, I did a quick Google search on some of the largest mountains that we have. And, and one of them is, is a mountain called K2. It's the second largest mountain. K2 is a savage mountain that wants to destroy and kill you. In fact, this mountain is 28,251 feet above sea level. It's the deadliest mountain. It's the second tallest, and it's the deadliest. One person dies on this mountain for every four who reach the top. Imagine that mountain being swallowed up by the ocean. Imagine K2 being swallowed up, crumbling, and, and we go, yeah, but God's my refuge. I don't have to be afraid. I don't need to be worried. Next mountain I want to share with you is Mount Everest. You're probably very familiar with this because it's the tallest mountain. It's incredible. Mount Everest is Earth's highest mountain, 29,032 feet above sea level. Incredibly deadly. When K2 gets swallowed up into the ocean, don't be afraid because God is your refuge. When Mount Everest crumbles and gets swallowed up by the ocean, don't be afraid because God is our refuge. Can you imagine what that would look like? Let me show you a video of what that might look like. Pretty powerful. When your world gets turned upside down and it feels like that, when it feels like everything around you is crumbling and caving in and avalanching over your head, the psalmist says, You and I don't need to be afraid because God is our refuge. You can run to Him, 
And any time when you're struggling with your kids, when you're struggling to make the payment, when you're struggling with that relationship, when you're struggling to figure out what to do next, and life seems like it's spinning out of control and worries and fears or panic are flooding in, he is our refuge. But look at verse three. He says, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. He's comparing the two, right? You have earthquakes and rumblings, and then you have this peaceful river of God. That when you run to God as your refuge, it is filled with peace and calmness. He's commenting on, these, on this verse. And he's saying, hey, look at the incredible waters. They're surging, they're foaming, they're roaring. It's filled with, with white caps. It's destructive. But if you really want to find peace and calmness, it comes from God. He's in control of every single detail. Because he's in control of every single detail, you and I, we can run to him. He's our refuge look at what he says in verse five. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. Because God is within the city of Zion, it will not fall. It will not fail. It will not be moved. God is their refuge. He's incredibly powerful. He's overseeing all of the nitty-gritty details. Because of that, we can run to him. But look at what he says next in verse 7. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done, the desolations he has brought on the earth God's with us. He is our fortress. He is your fortress. He's the one that you and I can run to and find safety and help. He wants to hear from you. He wants you and I to to go to him and let him know about all the things that are happening. And he's not surprised by any of those details. He's not surprised by the fact that you're in a storm right now. He's not surprised by the fact that you woke up this morning filled with worry and fear and anxiety. And he simply wants you to come and talk to him. Here's why. Look at verse nine. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. God is a divine warrior. He is in charge and overseeing everything that is happening. Like that. He can make wars stop. He can annihilate any army. He can miraculously intervene and change the whole course of your life. At any moment, he can intervene and he can prevent an army from attacking. In fact, we saw a few weeks ago in 2 Chronicles 20 that he can actually turn armies on each other and protect his people. He is an ever-present help. He's your fortress and your refuge And it says he can change anything. 
Look at what verse 10 says. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Notice he says, be still. Be still and know that I am God because he's your refuge. He's the fortress. He's the one. He says, remember, I'm God, you're not. And I'll tell you, when I am filled with worry and fear, it's because I see all of these things that are happening that are out of control. They're out of my control. And I'm scrambling, trying to control everything. Going, I got to fix this. I got to take care of this. If this doesn't happen, it's on me. I've got to take care of this. I've got to make sure this happens. I got to wrap this up. I got to make sure they do this. I got to hope they don't do that. I've got to take care of all of those things. Yeah, I'm not God. God is telling us, hey, Tim, be still. God is saying, Tim, remember, I'm the one who created the entire universe. I'm God. I've got this. So if you want to quit fear, if you want to quit worry, it starts by being still. Being still and calming down. This idea of being still is just like, I'm letting go of this. I have these hands. I'm, I'm holding on to everything with dear life. And God says, just let it go. Abandon it. Set it aside. Because he is God. Fear and worry is it's like a rocking chair, right? We love to worry. And we feel like we're doing something, right? I'm just worrying. My kids are driving me up the wall. Their grades are a mess. My parents, their health is going down. And I'm just worrying. And I'm, I'm, I'm rocking. And I'm, I'm literally going nowhere, right? I'm doing lots of stuff right now. But I'm doing a lot of worrying, rocking back and forth, hoping that this is going to change everything, hoping that just by rocking, my bank account is going to get bigger. Just by rocking, my kids are going to get better. Just by rocking, my relationship is going to get fixed. Just by rocking, like all the world's problems are going to go away. And God says, Tim, just be still. Just be still. And know that he's God. All of your rocking, all of your worrying isn't accomplishing anything. He says, just, be still. Actively wait. In the midst of fear, in the midst of worry, we're going to have to remind ourselves, I need to be still. Maybe today you need to go into our prayer room and you need to just be still. You don't have to sit there for very long, but you just need to be still. You don't have to say a word, but you need to be still. Jesus, when he was starting his earthly ministry, went off into the wilderness, away from all of the people, away from the crowds, away from the disciples, away from everybody who wanted his attention, and he was simply still, praying and fasting by himself. All throughout his ministry, he would spend time with people and then he would get away and he would be still. In the garden of Gethsemane, he brought his disciples and he was just praying and he was being still. 
Dallas Willard says, hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life in our day, and you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. We are so busy running around, trying to do and be everywhere, trying to do everything, trying to accomplish everything. You have a million things waiting for you at home. And how many of us know how to be still? How many of us know what it looks like to really actively wait on God? God is telling us to be still. As that van and our trailer were, were parked on that hill, not going anywhere, we had to make a decision, right? Do I take the foot off the brake and let, let's see what happens? Do I try to spin this thing around? We made a couple of phone calls, got a salt truck up there. In, in the meantime, we just waited. There was nowhere to go. And once that salt truck came and did its job and sprayed that road down, it wasn't until they showed up that we could actually do anything and go. But in the meantime, we had to be still and wait. In the midst of fear and panic and worry, God is saying, ruthlessly eliminate hurry and be still. But then he says, not only be still, he says, know that I'm God. He's the one that's in charge. He's the one that created the entire universe. He's the one that breathed out everything into existence. And yet we're trying to micromanage and control all of these details of our lives. And he says, just be still and know that I am God. It's more than this intellectual knowledge. It's this intimate knowledge of, okay, God, you're in control. You've got this. I don't understand how this is going to work out. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I don't know what's going to happen next week, but you are God. Not Tim Sullivan. You. You're in charge. I don't know if you've ever heard the story of Job, but Job is a really incredible story. It's in the Old Testament, and it kind of feels like you're eavesdropping on someone else's life, reading and seeing what's happening behind the scenes in this man Job's life. He's a really godly man. He's one of the most righteous people on earth, and his whole world falls apart. I mean, it is crumbling. He loses everything. And he has three friends. They're terrible friends. They're the worst counselors ever. And they're just running around like chickens with their heads cut off. And they're questioning things. They're questioning God. He has lots of questions. And it's not until he meets God and he begins to go to God. He invites God in and God has some questions for Job. God says, Job, were you there when I painted the entire sky? Job, were you there when I measured the earth? Were you there when I measured the universe? Were you there when the, when the angels gasped at how amazing everything was? Were you there when I did this? No. He invites God into the picture and everything about his perspective completely changes. In the midst of fear and worry, we need to know the one who created the universe is God. And he is a fortress and a refuge that you and I can run to. But listen to what he says in verse 11. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. God is 
with us. And he repeats this over and over and over again. I don't know if you caught this, but remember what he says in verse one? He says, God is a very present help. God is a very present help in trouble. And then he repeats that theme in verse seven. The Lord Almighty is with us, right? Verse one, God is with us. He is a present help. Verse seven, God is with us. And verse 11, he ends this, God is with us. He's our refuge. He's our fortress. He's our fortress. And he is with us. The writer wants you to see that repetition and go, whoa, whoa, whoa. I think there's something I ought to pay attention to. Are you trying to tell me that God is with me? God is my refuge, that God is my fortress, that he's the shelter I can run to? Bingo. And so when you're afraid, when you're worried, when panic is running your life, be still and know that he is God. That's how we overcome fear and worry. So how do we do that? What does that look like? Let me give you some application This week, take some time, read Psalm 27, and make it your own. Just make it your own. That you would read the entire psalm and you would rewrite it so it expresses your life and your experiences. And here's a little bit of framework. As you're writing out that psalm, cry out to God. As you're writing Psalm 27 and you're making it your own, remember His mercy. As you're writing it out, remember, your hope is in God. But this week, if if you want to practice, what does it look like to really be still and know that he is God? Take some time, write out Psalm 27 and make it your own. Whether you do that on your computer, your phone, or in your journal, that's up to you. But it will slow you down and it will allow you to make this psalm your own. Secondly, Participate in our day of prayer. If you haven't already, take some time, go into our starting point room, and just spend some time praying. If you have kids, pick up your kids first and bring them with you. I know that will be a little distracting, but more is caught than taught. And I know it will be difficult to sit there with your little ones and pray but they will learn from you. They will see you, they will hear you, and that will be a lesson they will learn and they'll have questions. Why are we doing this? What are we doing? And you can invite them to pray with you, to participate. It might be shorter and that's okay, but more is caught than taught. They're watching you, mom. They're watching you, dad. They're watching you, grandpa. Spend some time, carve out a little bit of time, whether it's five minutes or 15 minutes, being still and knowing that he is God. Let me pray with you. God, you are incredible. We're amazed that this psalm tells us we can run to you whenever we need to. You're our fortress, you're our shelter, when mountains crumble and the earth gives way and everything seems to be swallowed up by the ocean, we can go to you. 
God, help us to be still. Help me to be still. Help me to know that you are God and I am not. Help us that when we're worried, when we're afraid, to live that out. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen.